Ah, good luck. Puts on the step, goes right through, puts on the step again. Oh, go pretty. That was magnificent stuff. Well, I shall not believe it. Marshall skips away, Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Mullins opens up again. Oh, look at him go. He beats O'Davis on the outside. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only anaerobe podcast in Bali for the G20, trying to offer Mitchell Moses as a prisoner swap for Australian prisoners in China. I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we've got a bunch of topics lined up. They haven't been written down or thought about yet, but promise you, they are there. But before we get stuck into them, I am joined, as per usual, by the Dark Prince of Brookvale. Of course, it's me to watch Mario. Hello, sir. I am Captain Asbestos himself, and it's great to be with you. Fantastic. Now, you say asbestos, I assume, uh, because they found a fair bit of that at Brookvale, didn't they, when they were doing some renos. Have they got to the bottom of that, or is that sort of something that's leading or contributing to um, Tom Draboyevich's bad form? Does he just have asbestos poisoning? No, it was definitely planted there by the Cronulla Sharks, administration because I believe it was just before a game against them and they were you know scared that we would beat them as we before 2022 usually do at Brookvale Oval and so they you know just did the smart thing of trying to find a way to get the game cancelled. Mario I've got to say it it is an extreme tactic isn't it to um, you know when you're trying to win a match against Manly if you're a rival club and you go I know what we need to do we need to dump some toxic waste on their home ground um, now, on, on the one side, obviously, that's immoral because, you know, people could die. But you do also have to admire the competitive edge there, don't you? I mean, there are some coaches that will really push the boat out uh, to win a game against their opposition. I don't know if this is anything to do with Fitzy. I see, it seems more like a Shane Flanagan thing to do, if I'm going to be honest. It really does. So, you know, if he was, invol- if he was involved in this um, little alleged plot, he might regret it now because, you know, he's, he better hope that it's all been found or he's going to be finding himself with mesothelioma, isn't he? I think he's moved over to your mob now, hasn't he? He's the 2IC under Anthony Seabold. Uh, how is everything going in the Harvard land of uh, Manly at the moment, mate? Are you are you pumped for the season ahead with Seabold, ready to lead your troops to victory? Yeah, why the hell not? I, I just choose to believe that we get the South Sydney Seabold and not the Brisbane Seabold. You know, the results that he had there obviously weren't ideal, but we're good. You know, he, mm. he took a team that was always destined for a wooden spoon to the to their rightful destiny, whereas we're destined to never, ever get one. And so we're quite safe from that. So bring on Anthony Seabold. Des was, Des was past it, as I think most listeners knew that I had that opinion quite a long time ago. And it was time for him to move on. And I'm glad he has. And, you know, onward and upwards. You know, Mario, it strikes me, we've had this conversation about asbestos and, you know, I don't think we should necessarily impugn um, asbestos and, you know, toxic fibres per se because, you know, for some people it works. And I I think back to the the days of Mark O'Mealy, God bless him, who used to fire himself up before games by rubbing his face with asbestos uh, in between sort of you know, swathes of Denka rub. And it worked for him for a while. I mean, you know, it was a diminishing return. After a couple of seasons, he was effectively poisoned and he became quite shit. But do you think, Mario, that, um, you know, we're missing a trick here in modern NRL and, and, and players just aren't prepared to rub toxic waste on their face anymore? 
Well, let me just tell you, if you offer me right now at the age of 42, I can just rub a little bit of only somewhat harmful toxic waste on my face and get two good years of NRL out of my body, I'll sign up for that right now. Unless I had to play for the storm, you know, there's some lines I won't cross. I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I'd probably rather dangle my testicles in a combination of um, hemlock and terps than support the Melbourne Storm. We're all different. Um, you know, they've got a pretty good, pretty big fan base. I don't know if you've seen the statistics, but they're doing pretty well in that regard. But unfortunately, and uh, it's pretty damning for them, uh, most of their fans are Victorians. So I don't know if that really counts as a good thing um, to have so many fuckwits as part of your fan base. But... Um, you know, good luck to them. I know it's growing. Uh, how is Manly going in that in that ranking system, mate? Do you know off the top of your head if their fan base is growing or diminishing? I, I choose not to look at stats like that because, you know, I've always been taught don't ask questions you might not like the answer to. Well, they say, Mario, you, know, you shouldn't ever meet your heroes. Um, this next story has nothing to do with that because the person that I inadvertently bumped shoulders with uh, was Hutchison from the Roosters. Uh, Drew Hutchison is his name. Now, you may not know this, listeners may not know this, but my house is actually, um, this is completely by coincidence, but I am situated pretty close to where a lot of the Roosters players train. And so occasionally when I'm trying to park my car, I'll, I'll, be, I'll see, you know, Hargraves or I'll see Manu, you know, trying to park their car and take my spot. Sometimes it pisses me off, but then I go, oh, I'm a Roosters fan. Do with my spot what you will. Joey Manu, as long as you score three on the weekend. But um, I was pulling in the other day. Uh, it was only two days ago, actually. And uh, lo and behold, I see Drew Hutchison, jaywalking, by the way, across the road. I thought, he's got me offside for a start there. As he was walking, he did one giant spit on the road. And uh, as I said before, they say you shouldn't meet your heroes. You should also not meet the people you hate, because now I hate him a little bit more. I don't, I've never been a big fan of spitting. I think it's gross. I think it spreads diseases. We're in the middle of COVID here, mate. And uh, Drew Hutchison's spinning on the road. Is that something that uh, would turn you off as a fan if you saw your favourite player spitting away like, you know, they're chewing tobacco? I have to admit, yes. And I think we're sound, both sounding a little bit boomer here. But I also have never been a fan of spitting. Tr tracing back to a time in my life where I got in trouble at a school camp for spitting, even though I was one of literally one of the only people in this large group not doing it. Some rando was watching and fingered me as the culprits. Mario, I mean, look, a couple of podcasts ago, the listeners would be aware of this when you pulled me up in the middle of a story to kind of just zoom in on a on a portion of the statement that you thought was a little bit, um, a little bit lewd. Now, um, someone fingered you on camp. You said now was that. Was that before or after you got spat on? Because this sounds like a kind of party I want to turn up to. Yeah, my, my name wasn't Freddie on that particular school camp, but, you know, going to an all-boys all school, I'd prefer to avoid that sort of treatment. Well, I've got to say, with Hutch, right, you know, I can, I can wear the fact that he plays for my team and gets puffed by the time he comes out of the tunnel. I can wear the fact that he can barely get back on side. Uh, I can I can actually wear the fact that he looks like he's wearing an odd pair of football boots because he can't run properly. But I don't think I can wear him spitting. When he spat, and this is no word of a lie, his spit was also a bit lethargic. Like it took a long time for the spit to actually hit the road. It was almost defying gravity um, as the same way that sort of Hutch does when he runs. Because I think I've said this to you before, he's one of those rare players where he's attempting to run at full speed, but if he happens to be into a headwind, he's actually going backwards. 
See, I was I was more concerned when you were, you know, so offended by spitting. I thought perhaps he was, you know, munching on a kiwi fruit and had a cut inside his mouth so that when he spat it came out, you know, green and red. That would have been the ultimate crime for a Roosters player. Look, I know we, we have a bit of tradition here where we don't necessarily talk about NRL all the time. Um, and I thought I would just deliberately bait you here, mate, by uh, bringing out one of your, your heroes. Um, I actually did flick you a text during the week about this, but uh, Gina Reinhardt, mate, has been spotted um, at the Donald Trump presidential bid launch. She was actually spotted photobombing uh, behind Eric Trump, which I think I said to you is a dangerous thing to do if you're Gina because he does like to trophy hunt and she does look a lot like an African elephant. Um, how did you see that one, mate? Were you amused by that? I see more as a hippopotamus um, in appearance, but I'm pretty sure that someone like Eric Trump would very much enjoy hunting a hippopotamus anyway. No one can be surprised by her being there. It's all about, you know, the fo- fossil fuel industry fuels the government because then the government just give them all free money. It's a worldwide problem and we could solve climate change tomorrow, just to quote Dr. Carl, if we just stop paying fossil fuels to all the free money and just handed it out to renewable projects, it'd be climate change would be solved. So it's all in her best interest to keep on side of all of these particularly conservative politicians. But let's be honest with it, the um, supposed left such Biden and Albanese are still also in the pockets of um, fossil fuel. So she's probably playing both sides of that argument ultimately. Murray, do you think we could get Dr. Carl on this show? I'd love that. Um, I don't think he's a rugby league fan, but I'll just enjoy even just taxing his mind about the physics of NRL. Um, you know, we could have a show where we could talk about torpedo bombs and nothing else. I mean, he's a good Wollongong boy, so he might be a, a league fan. You're, if you're a fan of Dr. Carl, something I've never understood about him, why does he always wear those outrageous, gregarious shirts? Is that just his thing? or? Well, I think it might be just that era because my father-in-law is pretty much the exact same age and he only wears these all these bright-coloured shirts. Same thing. Do you think when people get into sort of 60s, 70s and 80s, they, they wear these really outlandish, loud shirts just to let people around them know that they're not dead? Because, you know, you very rarely see the dead wearing bright polka dot shirts. You can only assume that they still have some blood running through their veins. Because, you know, I'm one of the rare exceptions, though. I want an open casket coffin, and I do want to be buried in a clown suit. I want to have the, you know, the big giant fluoro afro, uh, the makeup. You know, I want the giant poncho pants. I would like to be buried with some juggling balls, if possible. So I know I'm, I'm probably not your usual candidate there. But I think for most people, when they're wearing those kind of clothes, it's telling everyone, hey, you know, don't bury me just yet, please. I'd still like to go to the shops. I would suspect it's to do with the whole, you know, human evolution. We've been hunter-gatherers, but a lot of humans have either been predator or prey. So I think as you get older, you're, you're a bit slower. You're no longer the predator. You're more likely to be prey. So if you're show yourself in bright colours and, you know, you might distract the predator so that they're looking at that and not looking at how weak and slow you are. Mm. And look, speaking of predators, Mario, you mentioned something before and I had to pick you up. I didn't mention Blake Ferguson, did uh, I? No, you you didn't, but you did mention Gina Reinhart looking more like a hippo and less like an elephant. And I just wanted to find out, in terms of your sexual preference, would you prefer to date an elephant or a hippo? I, I mean, it's, it, that sounds like one of those questions I really shouldn't answer, but 
I suppose I'll, I'm just going to say hippo because I've always told my kids that I think baby hippos are the cutest animals in the world. So I suppose that as they get older, that must mean that they're... Oh, God, this is a ridiculous question. Can we do some rugby league now? Okay, we will. You've cajoled me uh, into moving into some rugby league chat. Now, um, I might start off with this story, mate, because I am a rugby league narcissist and I talk about nothing else but the Sydney Roosters. And I don't know if you saw this news, but apparently Mitchell Pearce was spotted having lunch uh, with the great Nick Politis recently. Now, it sparked some rumours that, you know, Piercy could be moving back to Bondi uh, for a season, maybe a couple of days, I don't know. Now, quite a few people on Twitter, and I think quite cruelly, Mario, have been deliberately drawing my attention to this one, uh, and they would basically baiting me to say this is would be the best thing that's ever happened to rugby league, I think, just because it would be to my chagrin. For a player who's effectively stolen five premierships from the Roosters, surely Nick wasn't entertaining this prospect, Mario, was he? Is he? Do you think Nick has another ulterior motive for meeting with Pierce? What would it be, and can you enlighten the listeners on this one? Um, I think I mentioned it last week or the week before how I think Robbo is overrated as a coach, and his achievements have all been on the back of Cooper Cronk or Shane Shane Hayne, as in the ref from 2013. So what's Robbo really done apart from take teams that everyone said were premiership favourites and take them to not the premiership? Um, I, I would assume that Mitchell Pearce is being lined up to be the next Roosters coach. Well, Mario, look, I'll have to pick you up there, right? Because speaking generally here, obviously, but you know, NRL coaches, besides Anthony uh, Griffin, um, usually have a brain larger than the size of a peanut. And uh, if, you, if you're seriously thinking that Mitchell Pierce might be joining the Roosters as some kind of brains trust, I mean, I would have thought we'd go with someone with a brain for a start and not just, you know, a weird collection of twitching ligaments, which is effectively how Mitchell Pierce played. You know, he never had any strategy. Um, it was sort of, I don't know if you've ever seen those uh, wind-up toys, but sometimes they go wrong and you can wind them up too much and they basically look like they're having a fit. That is basically what Mitchell brought to the Roosters for close to a decade. We can't have it back. If it's true, throw it over to you, what coaching acumen would Piercy bring? Where would, he, where would his strengths be, you think? Well, I mean, he can certainly say, he, he can easily say to the players, don't do the wrong thing because I'm a perfect illustration of what you shouldn't do i've got all the experience you'll get his mate todd carney on board and they can show it all together but in all honesty i i assume that from nick politis's point of view he looks at wayne bennett craig bellamy phil gould who were just okay players you know had a few nrl games you know did okay but they weren't great and yet they turned out to be rather great coaches Mitchell Pierce certainly wasn't a great player. I think you and I will both agree on that. So therefore, he's probably the next immortal coach. You've managed to actually throw some logic in there. It hasn't given me food for thought. I'm going to dismiss it outright. But look, I don't know, people don't realise this because I, I still meet people who are convinced that Mitchell Pierce isn't as heinous as I claim him to be. Just to furnish you with a little bit of an, an example here, um, listeners, but uh, at the old football stadium when it was there, before it was knocked down and rebuilt uh, in basically the same model and fashion as the old one. The the fences that existed behind the dead ball line, uh, they were routinely dented by Mitchell Pierce's short kicking game because the, he played a good 12 to 13 years, I think it was, without managing to get a repeat set. Now, it's not as though he wasn't trying for it, Mario. He was, but he just never learnt the finesse of waiting a football which you think at some stage would probably occur to him that don't kick the buggery out of it. 
Um, but he never he never got that lesson. I don't want that kind of brain entering my dressing room. Thank you very much. Well, that's okay because I definitely want him in your dressing room again. As a player or a coach, I don't mind. Bring it back. Come back, Piercy. All is forgiven. Everyone loves you, especially the Roosters. Yeah, now people might not know this as well. You know, Nick Politis, he's a, he's a, uh, he doesn't do many interviews. Um, and he, when he does, he, he looks like a Godfather type, kind of looks like a Tony Soprano type. Um, he looks very serious and intense, and usually he's demanding something, like rule changes, or just the Roosters get extra points for some reason. That was a that was a good one. I still supported that, but um, it never came to fruition, obviously. But you know what people don't know about him, Mario, is that um, he's actually a bit of a prankster. Uh, he's got a pretty good sense of humour. Dry one, does old Nick. And I, it, it occurred to me that even though he was spotted having a coffee with, with Mitch, he could well be trolling Pierce, you know, by just pretending that, you know, there might be a, a slight whiff of a career left um, in Pierce's boots. You know what, maybe, maybe Nick wanted his salary cap wrought back because even Nick knows that corrupt payments should come with a money-back guarantee. The West Tigers... Uh, they've been caught buying magic beans again at the fair. Now, Sheens and Benji, they went down to the market and they've traded a donkey and Hastings for an old and decrepit-looking David Clemmer. This is a weird one for me, mate, because, as you know, I've been a bit of a critic of Hastings for some time, and only when my criticism ends does everyone else think he's shit. I thought he had a really good season until he got severely injured last year for the Tigers. I think his attitude seems completely different. Um, he's, he interviewed well even, he defended his players, he was travelling with the team out of his own pocket at times to, to see how they were going even when he was injured. To me, Jackson Hastings is a kind of player that I would love to keep now. Um, he's really you know, done the full 180. But in true Tigers fashion, as soon as they get a half that looks half decent, they've traded him away for a 48-year-old forward. And I'm interested to get your take on that one. Is it a good move or is it a bad move? It's a... Good move for the Knights. <laughs> I just love that <laughs> the, the, the Knights, for some reason, wanted Luke Brooks, and they've ended up with Jackson Hastings. What a what a good piece of business for the Knights. They didn't want Clemmer anymore. He was just taking up cap space and not getting game time because there were some personality issues, and so they get to get rid of him. Now, now mind you, Hastings, uh, you know that I've been a fan of him for a while. I loved him when he was at Manly, but... He must, he doesn't, he seems like the best sort of bloke. He must be a real cunt of a bloke off the field. He has to be. Because to, he keeps getting driven out of clubs. It doesn't matter how well he plays. I think he was good for Manly. See you later. I think he was good for the for the Tigers very quickly. See you later. Some, like, there's someone who doesn't like him. Is it all for show? Is he just really good at social media? I just don't understand it. And then the rumours that Adam Dewey is then also being shopped around or being told, you know, test the open market, whatever, is absolutely bizarre because there's a few rumours going around that the Tigers might be about to pick up some certain players, and one of which is a prominent halfback. But that's only a rumour, and it's almost certainly just garbage spread by that player's manager. So... Where I think we can all expect Tigers are going to end up with Luke Brooks and God only knows at five eighth if Adam Dewey goes. Mario, is there a reason you didn't name the prominent halfback? Is there a potential defamation case there? Well, why didn't you name him? Uh, simply because the person who conveyed the particular rumor to me asked me not to. 
Oh, okay. Wow, you really do have deep throats, don't you? Don't talk about my sex life, thank you. Well, you've already done that, mate. You've been spit on and... Hippopotamuses. It's hard and... to keep up with you. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, look, it's, a, it's an odd decision. Um, but before we get to that, I want to actually find out, you said that you liked him when he played for Manly, and I know you're a big fan of DCE. Did you like him even though he put DCE's rather long neck through a plate glass window? Yes. Oh, come on. DC- yeah, you still liked him after that, Yeah, DCE's a cunt. Come on. You've never said that on this podcast. He's been a good player for Manly, and he's had some, you know, some games for Queensland and Australia. But there's with him, it's always seemed like if there's smoke, there's fire, and which is why I'm asking that same question about Hastings because you keep hearing how other players don't like him. He gets driven out of a club. There's got to be some reason. I just can't see it. It was really clear early on in Hastings' career why that was the case. He he, he wasn't a happy chappy. You know, he was walking around with a big chip on his shoulder. Um, he was known to have a massive ego. In his own words, he said he's done a lot of growing up when he went to the Super League. I think, for me, he's genuinely turned a corner. So I can forgive those, you know, moving on from clubs before he came back to Australia. Um, from all accounts, made a, a ton of friends in the Super League. He, you know, I've, I've heard plenty of people talk about him with a fair bit of respect. And when it comes to the, you know, teammates talking about uh, Hastings at the Tigers... Um, there seems to be pretty positive and favourable as well. So you can say, oh, he's you know he's been to six clubs. What's going on? But I think it's probably unfair to include the first half of that when you know by his own admission, he said he you know he had a bit of a personality issue. Um, he wanted to be top dog and tended to pick fights, uh, you know, with the the best players in the team because he thought that should be him. So for me, he is actually a player I'd love to keep now because um, he he was. He played some amazing games to the Tigers. He just wasn't on the field very much. I know they finished last. It's not a great advertisement, but it wasn't. It had nothing to do with him. Trade him for Clemmer, which effectively seems like you know trading a new car for a faulty penny farthing. It just, it just seems weird to me. Especially when Newcastle had already expressed an interest in the absolute overpaid scrub that the Tigers had in the halves. This was their clear opportunity to finally distance themselves from him. Even, you know, they just kept paying Luke Brooks all this money to stink. And here was their chance. And somehow out of it, they've decided to swap Clemmer, clapped out Datto 120B for Hastings, who at the very least is a 2008 Ford Falcon. You know, he, he's pro- he's not a Ferrari, but he's at least, he's still a decent, decent you know, offering. I'd, I'm so confused by it. I'm, I'm just genuinely confused how they've ended up going from getting rid of Brooks to, to, to getting rid of Hastings. It's just so very Tigers. You know, before you mentioned that um, they're also looking to shop around Adam Doohey. I don't know if you heard the rumours, but apparently he's asking uh, for something close to a mill. Now, I think he's a quality player, um, but for someone who hasn't been on the pitch that regularly because of injury, you know, to be demanding... Or even asking for a million bucks. I mean, there's a handful of players in the league that are worth a million dollars. Adam Doohey asking for a million? I mean, I'd shop him around just on the back of that. The nerve of him. Yeah, look, I I mean, I agree. The rumour was 900 grand, but even that is still... It's overs. It's definitely overs. Based on what he has produced on the field, he's shown a lot of potential, but he has not been able to deliver it for a whole season yet. Part Partly... That is because of Madge shopping him around between different positions, putting him out in the centres and stuff like that was absolute stupidity of the first order. But 
Classic if, match. If Adam Dewey got, offers himself to a club for six hundred grand, I think almost like mo- a lot of clubs should be jumping over themselves to take him because the potential of him to be a very good buy at that price is is clear as crystal to me. But nine hundred thousand is a very large amount of money, and there's been too many clubs throwing that sort of money away on Cor- on the Corey Normans and the Luke Brookses of the world and. I feel like maybe some of the clubs have started to realise that that's not smart business when there's people like Jackson Hastings going for a lot less than that when George William can, Williams can carve up um, the World Cup against some quality opposition. And granted, they lost, but it certainly wasn't because of George Williams. He was really, really good, and he's not in NRL right now. So presumably, you could pick him up for a song in comparison. Well, according to your source, he's linked with the Tigers. <laughs> Definitely not what I said, but nice try. Just trying to trip you up there, mate. That was my uh, my attempt to be Tracy Grimshaw. No, but it is a weird one. Now, I, look, I, I give the Knights a lot of shit too, Mario, now um, because they were obviously chasing Brooks, as you said, and I remember thinking that would be a classic move, um, you know, to get rid of a bunch of quality players um, like we've been talking about. Was it Dominic Young on the wing? Um, and, you know, just to make way for Luke Brooks. But potentially, mate, there's been a bit of a Machiavellian play here where they never really wanted Luke Brooks, and the target might have been Jackson Hastings. Do you think the Knights have just pulled off an an amazing manoeuvre here, the double bluff, and they've bamboozled the Tigers and got under their grill and managed to get Hastings? It's like going for Will Kennedy and ending up with James Tedesco. You know, and I only say that as a fair comparison simply because Will Kennedy is so much better than Luke Brooks and obviously Tedesco is probably an amount better. Again, anyway, I just realised how silly that sounded as I said it. <laughs> um, good on the Knights. That's all, right all you can say. Right. True. Good, good on the Knights. It's nice to see them doing something right for once. We'll see if it works out. I kind of hope not because I like having shit teams stay below my team on the ladder. I heard a lot of commentary this week, Mario, about people saying how great a purchase David Clemmer is. It really surprised me. Not just News Limited either. Um, different different quarters of the media and, and plenty of people online saying this is a great move. It's going to give the Tigers some experience. And a lot of people were pointing to the fact that David Clemmer had been, um, you know, won a lot of the Players' Players' Awards at the Knights. And I remember thinking, well, there is a bit of a diminishing value, isn't there, on an award when the club is the Newcastle Knights and they're playing as poorly as they are. I mean, if the only person you have to beat out is Adam Clune, is it really a big accolade? It's a very fair question, but is it that maybe he was actually a decent bloke and that was more of a participation award? But then they they apparently didn't like him this season. He obviously had some personality issues with somebody at the club this year because they became very desperate to have him leave. There's been, the talk is that they've both signed three-year deals when they were both only had a year left. So it's obviously really good business for both players. That What hasn't been discussed that I've seen has been any sort of price tag. So we have no real idea what they're being paid. So if David Clemmer is on 250K for three years, then I think that's actually good business by the Tigers. Um, but if he's on 600, then you're dreaming. That's absolute madness. Yeah. I mean, look, Clemmer, when he first started his career, he was known for bringing that mongrel into a team, um, especially when he had that shaved head. You're not just the, the average shaved head, Mario, but the one that where 
he was clearly using a razor because there were wounds on his scalp. I mean, that, that version of David Clemmer was obviously very useful in the forward pack. But he has turned a bit meek and mild, I think, over the years. That's why he's not making rep teams anymore. And I thought, as you said, he had some personality clashes up there with some of the staff and some of the trainers, actually, um, at the Newcastle Knights. And it seems like the only aggro that David Clemmer has in his game at the moment is to try to rip the face off one of the trainers. Now, that's not kind of aggro you really want. I mean, it's it's nice to know there's some fire left in Clem's spirit, um, but he certainly didn't reserve it for the opposition. I mean, I wouldn't think so either, unless they've got a couple of club staff members that are just real assholes, and someone needs to deal with them, and they're like, what are we going to do? Oh, let's get David Clemmer. He'll sort them out. <laughs> and I mentioned Adam Clune before as well, mate. Um, I assume he's still at the Newcastle Knights. I, I think they were trying to trade him away, but I just wanted to get a quick take on this one. Adam Clune, he's actually not very old, but why does he look 55? It's a weird one, isn't it? Is is it him who's gone to Super League or Clifford? I think it is Clifford, so I think you're right that Clune's mm. still there. But I think they're trying to get rid of him. Like he's, he's he seems like he he just needs a visit to a wellness centre or something. He has like one of those very old faces. And I had a look at how much Adam Clune was paid. Um, not all these um, contracts are publishable, but I did manage to track this down. Now it's not very much, but he is getting paid a lot of extra in uh, superannuation and Metamucil ads. So he's actually on a fair bit of coin. I mean that seems fair. I assumed it was that um, isn't it, isn't it the liver that makes you go all yellow or something? So I I, I assumed it was going to be that he just drunk too much and he was going to be the advertisement for remember those liver ads with the guy dressed up as a liver or something like that. I think you might have been high when that happened, Mario. I don't think that was actually an ad. Maybe it was when you were getting fingered at camp. I, I think you've got it. Yeah, there was a there was a hippo involved. Yeah. Yeah. You were on LSD and just having a fucking wild time in bed with a hippo, which turned out to be one of Gina Reinhardt's kids. But yeah, Adam Clune. And you know what I've actually heard? He lives the life of a retired pensioner as well. He, that's why he actually isn't that great on the field. He hasn't got time to train with the side every week because he's too busy writing angry letters to the council. Uh, yeah, back to the swap. Hastings. I heard uh, it probably came from the News Limited Press, so it's probably not real. But apparently John Bateman, who the Tigers have bought and is coming into their squad next year, he might have a personality issue with Jackson Hastings. And, and there's some paper talk t- suggesting that that's why the Tigers have moved him on. Have you heard anything about this? Yeah, I actually, now that you mentioned, I did hear that rumour. And I, I I can't remember if I heard it before it came out on the Telegraph or not. I, I definitely remember it being discussed outside of that article which I still I'm going to say is a strange call because I don't think Bateman showed that much in the World Cup to suggest that he's the guy that's going to turn a team like them around. And when you think back to what he was offering for the Raiders at the end, I'm not convinced he's a wonderful signing. I kind of hope he is because he was fun to watch when he was playing well. It's all part of Adam O'Brien's master plan to sow the seed of hatred between John Bateman and the rest of the world. If you were to go out in a limb, Mario, and suggest who would be in the wrong in that personality conflict, Jackson Hastings or John Bateman, who would you suspect? Because they've both got some form on the board for rubbing up their teammates and their coaches and the general public the wrong way. Well, only one of them has been a player at my club, so I'm going to side with Jackson Hastings just out of, <laughs> just out of a misguided sense of duty and loyalty to my club. Yeah, look, you know, because the story that comes to mind when I think about Bateman was when clearly he was having issues of Ricky Stewart and clearly he wanted out at the club. And, you know, uh, for, for all of his faults, I think uh, it was Hooper 
that actually got onto that story. He got a whiff of it and got got leaked that you know Bateman wasn't happy and wanted to go home. So he went public with that story. And Bateman, I don't know if you remember this, shat all over the story. He said, um, you know, Hooper doesn't know what he's talking about, which you know most of the time he'd be right about that. But on this particular occasion, he was wrong. Um, and sort of went ballistic on Twitter and started going after his looks, calling him a... He went after his baldness, Mario. I mean, it was pretty personal stuff. And then two weeks later, Bateman pissed off home. It was it was quite an odd chapter. No apology, just went home. Yeah, look, honestly, the, the biggest crime ja- that um, John Bateman committed was making Hooper be correct at something because we all know what a, what a piece of crap that guy is. <laughs> For him to be right about something and to be able to say, I told you so, is a sort of validation that, that you know, scumbags don't need or deserve. Let's get on to the Tigers really specifically here now. Um, next year, despite losing Hastings, it's actually not all doom and gloom because, you know, they've actually managed to snare for the first time in a little while uh, some serious scalps. Now, we know they've got Appy Corusau coming over. They've got Isaiah Papalihi. They've got Bateman. Um, unfortunately, Alex Tall's still there. So you can't win them all. But that forward pack, mate, starting to take shape? It's going to depend so much. They had such bad service at hooker this year that I don't mm. think you can actually take the form of their forwards into a real account. I don't think you can compare properly. So having a proper top-shelf hooker providing proper service and then having... Someone, and for the fact that he can ha- pass it to someone like Isaiah Papali'i or even use him as a decoy is going to draw players as well. So the more quality players you have, the more options you've got on the field. And so that's going to give the other forwards uh, something to run around. You know, a prop as a decoy and then you're passing to Papali'i is very different from a prop from a prop as a decoy and then passing to some absolute reserve grade scrub, which is whoever the hell they had in that position this season. I mean, last season, the Tigers, was a lot of, we don't know what to do. First receiver, let's see what James Tarmow can do with it. And of course, you know, he can only take his large chin into the defensive line. That's all he ever did. I mean, he was a warrior, you know, big heart on the man, but he has no real creativity. I do wonder how much having a great hooker again will benefit Luke Brooks. And I'm not saying this vindicates him completely, but he really hasn't had a quality nine with him, giving him extra time, drawing the markers away um, that some of the other halfbacks get the luxury of. Um, Not since really, I guess Robbie Farrow might have played a role like that with him um, to some degree. And it's probably the last time we played decent footy, to be honest. Do you think we could see a potential resurgence of the man, the most downtrodden number seven since Mitchell Pearce? I don't. All right, mate, another story that's caught my eye this week. Uh, Victor Bradley, now he's actually been caught doing something that's quite out of character for him. Um, He was having too many beers and in the midst of his sort of drunken euphoria, he headbutted an Irishman. Now, there was an investigation uh, that took place, uh, but it was actually deemed too difficult to carry out because uh, when comparing who was drunker, Victor Radley or an Irishman, apparently it was just too hard to determine that. Um, Do you have a gut instinct about this one, mate, about who was in the wrong? I mean, it couldn't be Radley. It's not not his go. He's never done anything like that. He definitely wasn't playing knock and run with the Samoan team at 2am the other day as well. No, No way Radley would do something like that. Absolutely not. How dare you? That Irishman must be the in the wrongs. Probably Luke Keary. So is this story about knock and run true? Uh, 
I wasn't there, but, you know, it seemed to have legs. It, is it a genuine rumour, though? Yes. That's so good. I really hope it's true. I, I, it might have even been confirmed, honestly. I, I, don't, I don't remember now, but it, I know that people were certainly talking about it just as if it was confirmed and true. And I think the fact that it was Victor Radley supposedly to blame is part of that because of the fact that he is such an idiot. The guy's a good rugby league player, and I think he played really well in that semi the other day, apart from that unfortunate pass, of course. But I think he was having one of the better games for an English player on the night. And it was unfortunate that he decided to go all Cody Walker at the end. Well, the Irishman that he ended up headbutting, mate, his name was James Bentley. I can't say I'm I'm particularly uh, familiar with him, which is it's an ironic name, obviously, because his face was pretty bent after the incident. But, you know, it struck me as that, Look, it's well documented that Victor, um, his tackling style can be poor at times. I'm just wondering if this could have just been a tragic accident and he was simply trying to tackle him and this guy in the pub affectionately and it all went wrong and he got his head in the wrong place as per usual. I think you've nailed it. That seems right. As I said, it's not his go. Victor's a lovely young lad and I'm sure he's just gone for a bit of a larrikin move. It's like, oh, look, this guy looks like he'd enjoy being tackled. I'm going to go and cannonball him from behind. Because they've all kept sort of shut up shop about this, but apparently um, it was in self-defence. Now, don't laugh just yet, because I know every Victor Radley story seems to end up being Victor was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but apparently the witnesses are saying that he got punched by this Irish fella I don't know what Victor was doing. I'm sure he had something to do with inciting it. And in response, he headbutted the guy and knocked him out. Now, does that vindicate him to any degree in your mind? Because, <clears throat> I, I, hear me out on this, Am I got a little bit of a theory that, that Victor is sort of the modern-day version of Todd Carney in the sense that, you know, Todd wasn't such a bad guy. He just was an absolute lunatic when he drunk. So, yeah, sure, he inadvertently gave third-degree burns to his mate by lighting his fart or... Sure, he went on a you know, lengthy cop chase when, when he crashed the car and blamed it on Marshall Chalk. There are, those kind of things are quite funny, though, in hindsight. But he's not exactly Anthony Watts and barricading himself in a house from bikies and setting his missus on fire. I mean, it's a bit different. No, look, I don't think anyone has suggested that's the case either. No, one, no one's suggesting he's a bad person, so to speak. It's just that he's a dickhead. He's just, there's not much upstairs. He's a child in a man, in a large man's body, and that doesn't look likely to change anytime soon. At what point, Mario, do you think a player um, leaves the world of being a larrikin, as Victor is often construed as, and enters the world of being a criminal like Ben Barber? Once, once you hit a woman, maybe, or once you properly assault somebody, you know, put them in hospital from a punch, not just from uh, tackling somebody, allegedly. So... I mean, I don't know where the line is, but if you're comparing him to Ben Barber, he's certainly not across it yet. You're right. He was probably a terrible example in hindsight, so uh, I shouldn't have mentioned him. But, but I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, in the 80s, you know, if someone managed to, you know, stab someone, you know, in a humorous, jocular fashion and they've avoided jail, it ended up becoming sort of a humorous anecdote on the footy show the week later. I'm just wondering, have we... Have we gone too far now? Has Radley's, uh, you know, gregarious, drunken personality just been policed out of the game? Yes and no. I mean, he play, he does all that stuff like it's still the late '80s or early '90s when you could, when as you say, you could get away with that stuff. Unfortunately, he's done it. He's done stuff on camera. 
you know, like the whole Joseph Sawali thing. He's he's just shown too many times that he has he makes poor decisions on and off the field. So there is an element of 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 truth to what you say, but overall, uh, I don't think we need to feel too much sympathy for Victor anyway. Do you think he was drunk when he went? Yeah, I'm going to play for England. No, I just think he knew he was zero chance of making the Australian team and. <laughs> There was too many players ahead of him in his chosen position. He's never getting ahead of Murray and Yo, who are both young, and Jake Turbo's there as well. So Radley just did the pragmatic thing, and it's like, who can I play for? I'll, I'll choose them. Look, I know it sounds absurd <clears throat> to say I headbutted someone in, in self-defense, but I actually have a personal anecdote about that where actually that did happen to me. I was forced into a corner during a, a pretty ugly situation, and I did land the old Liverpool kiss on the chin of the person who was harassing me, and... I have to say, my sister doesn't mouth off too much these days. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, mate. It was uh, it was it was rough and ready. We didn't even mention Xander Risotto, um, who ditched us once again. I feel like I might do something vengeful at some point. I'm not a vengeful man. It's not really in my nature, but um, I did light his letterbox on fire. Uh, a couple of days ago in retaliation for him ditching our podcast. Are you planning on doing anything to Xander in your aggrieved state? Oh, Next time I'm in Sydney, I've, I'm saving up the biggest turd that I can, and I'm going to, you know, light a paper bag at his front doorstep, ring his doorbell, say, hey, hey, it's Victor Radley, and then run away giggling. I love it. And a perfect metaphor for this show there could not be. Thank you, Mario, for joining me. Thank you, Xander, for ditching us. And thank you, listeners at home, for sticking it around and listening to what has been an absolute calamity. Let's face it, we haven't given you insight, but we hope you've enjoyed it nonetheless. I've had several beers. I've enjoyed myself, and we'll do it again soon.